Father, I'm so thankful just for what you're doing here in this church, in our lives, in this community. Thank you for these people, Lord, that um, I get to serve alongside. I get to serve and, and love. And, and um, I just I thank you, Jesus, for your presence, Lord, in this house. I thank you for the leadership of this house that prioritizes your presence above all things, Lord. Let our hearts just respond to that in the way that we're supposed to by saying yes to whatever you have for us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Um, I was chit-chatting with my son before service, one of my sons before service. And so he's like, oh, mom, you're preaching? And I was like, yeah. He's like, are you ready? And I was like, I think so. <laughs> it's like 9.45, service starts at 10. I sure hope I am, Josiah. He's like, it's kind of like me sometimes. I don't, uh, I haven't listened for two weeks and I haven't done any of the homework and there's a pop quiz and, you know, I get 12 right out of 15. And I was like, all right, buddy. Well, I'm thankful that the Lord <laughs> is faithful in this situation that even if I'm not, he is. Amen? Amen. So I was like, sometimes the lessons our little children teach us. He's not a little one anymore, but... Um, I often say things like living in the moment and being present in the moment. And I think about my kids when they were much younger, when they were little. And I remember there was a season where we had four um, under six years old, four, six and under. And um, I think there was a, like a really, really short time we had three in diapers. And that, that ended quickly. That ended quickly. I was like, this is not going to work. This is not going to happen. But I just remember being so busy as a mom that I couldn't wait until they could all take care of themselves, do their own laundry, and I could sleep through the night. Like, I just remember that. Any other moms out there? I was talking to a mom the other night. I was like, there's a thing called parenting fatigue, and I'm pretty sure I've, I've lived in that for, like, the last five years. It's like, I'm, I don't know. My older kids ask why the littler ones get to do whatever they want. It's like, I'm, I'm just tired. I'm just too tired. And so just, um, just grace for all of us moms. But I, I think back to that season where I was so quick to move past that season. And now I look back and I was like, I, if I could just hold them when they were little a couple more times. If I could just smell that little tiny baby breath. Oh, there's nothing like a newborn's baby breath. I'm telling you, there's just something so sweet about it. But we're so quick to move past moments that we tend to live in this future state instead of really see what God is doing in the now. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. And I was really taken to um, Joseph's life in the scripture. And I love Old Testament stories. I don't know why. I love the New Testament too, but I love to dig in to Old Testament stories, probably because I was raised in the church with flannel graphs and stories. Any other kid? You guys remember? Who remembers flannel graphs? Okay, there's not very many of us. All right. So flannel graphs are these little cutouts that they would put on the board and that would help you learn the story. And now we have like cartoons and pro presenters and really cool dynamics in our kids church but back in the day I had none of that I had flannel graphs so there are these little things that you put on the board and they would stick and then come down anyways so I grew up on flannel graphs and 
and Bible stories and, and, and going to church all the time. And so I love digging into old stories in the Bible. And so I want to read a couple verses from Genesis 37. And I'm reading in um, the New King James. So Genesis 37, starting in verse 1, I'm just going to read a few verses because this is like 12 chapters and I don't want to do that. So it says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob, Joseph, of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding his flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons Bilah and the sons of Zippah, Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat, a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw their father loved him more than his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Now I'm going to just um, paraphrase kind of the rest of the story. Joseph's dream was that his brothers and his father would all bow down to him. That's an interesting dream to tell the brothers that hate you as the youngest little one. I can't imagine what that conversation was like in their home. And then if you um, skip over to verse 18 really quick, it says, Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Um, but anybody like like you are, you, are you like me where I feel like the minute I make like a goal or I have some, an aspiration, it's like I immediately get sabotaged. Immediately sabotaged. It's like I want to do something and then somebody brings over a cake. Like it's, you know, like I have to eat it. I have to be nice. Or you like want to be good and then there's, you know, buffalo wing dip. I don't know why I like that so much. Um, or there's things that we try to do and it's you feel like everybody is conspiring against you. Maybe you feel like Joseph and you feel like I, all I have is this word that the Lord gave me or this desire that God's put in my heart and everybody seems to be conspiring against me. And I, I want to talk about like how every, every time the Lord puts something in our heart, there is going to be opposition to what the Lord wants. There, it just It is a guarantee. We can go through this life like we're on the clouds and like everything's going to be perfect but if everything was perfect all the time what would we learn and who would we become and so i i really want to talk about um the journey i want to talk about what that looks like and what we learn on the journey and we can learn from joseph's life you know i the reason why i mentioned my son josiah is because i told him i'm going to talk about him today he's like what are you going to talk about mom so my son started wrestling. This is his first season wrestling. He had like all of a sudden overnight this passion to, to wrestle. And we, because he just started, but he's so strong, he's really good so far. But because he just started, he's not winning every match. He's losing some, right? And so we talked to him as parents. We're like, hey, every, um, everything you do in wrestling, it's a learning experience. You learn from it and you grow from it. And so we're talking about it this morning, and you know what he says to me? He's like, I actually learn more from the losses than I do the wins. I was like, dang, boy, you should preach today. And, um, and I thought, like, how revelatory is that? 
that if he learn, if we learn more from the losses, the next time we're faced with that same challenge, we know how to overcome. We know how to get through it. We know how to get to the other side of it. And if we take that as, um, as like a, a, a challenge for our life, then we can see, you know what? It's not about the losses. It's not about the challenges. It's how, what do I do with it? How do I overcome in this situation? Am I going to, if I face this situation and I lost this time, you know what? The next time I go to that exact situation, I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm going to overcome. You know, for me, it's a lot of, um, a lot of times it's relational things for me, right? Because it's, it's my life, it's ministry, it's what I do. Most of what we do in life is relational, right? It has to do with our relationships with our spouses, our relationship with our children, our relationships with our workplace, our relationships with the people around us. And so, like, if you have an argument with your spouse, for instance, and you're like, why do I keep doing the same thing in an argument? I believe it's when you understand the value of learning from your mistakes, the next time you face that same situation, you're going to be like, I'm not going to go there this time. I'm just not going to go there this time. It's not worth it. It's not worth being right, or it's not worth the, the fight. It's not worth it. And when you do that in relationships, you learn how to overcome, and the next time you're faced with a situation, you don't lose that time you get to win amen there's a few things I really feel like Joseph learned on the journey and like I said this is about 12 chapters and we're not going to read through the whole thing say thank you, thank you. yeah you're welcome you're welcome um, but I did read through the whole thing as I was preparing and I just want to highlight some things in Joseph's life that I feel like we can really learn about our journey the first thing I see is that his character was developed in this process that he went through. At 16 years old, when he had a dream that all of his brothers were going to bow down to him, I don't think that he was ready for the fruition of that dream. I don't know about you. His brothers weren't ready. His dad wasn't ready. And he wasn't ready. And so something had to happen in Joseph. There had to be something developed in him so that when he got to the place of his destination, he would, able to, he would be able to withstand it with character and with values that he needed on the journey. And so as he's, as he's going through this, he's sold into slavery, and he's, he gets to go into Potiphar's house, and he earns favor everywhere he goes. I don't, about, I don't know about you, but I think that's a lesson for us, that as we go through our journey, no matter if it's a low place or a high place we have to understand that we are children of God and if we find favor in those places there will be an increase of what God wants to do and Joseph found favor even in Potiphar's house even as a slave he found favor and he had such favor with Potiphar that it made Potiphar's wife jealous and envious of him and so she accused him of something terrible and horrible and even when she came to him before she accused him she came to him and offered herself to him and he could have had Potiphar's wife. Just be careful and not colorful with our language. He could have, but he chose not to because something was being developed inside of him. There was a character being developed inside of him. And so um, I, f I feel like the first thing we learn is how to live with a, a life of character, of integrity. We learn it when we're faced with hard things. 
See, character's not developed overnight. Integrity doesn't just come to us. Integrity comes to us as we learn to do the right thing in the wrong places, as we learn to do the right thing when we're faced with situations where it's easy to not do the right thing. That's when integrity becomes developed in our life. The second thing I really believe that um, Joseph learned was his true identity. And our true identity gets revealed to us when we're in hard places. See, even when after Potiphar's wife lied about Joseph and he was put into prison, he again gained favor with the prison guards. Why? Because he used his gift not for himself, but he used his gift for the glory of God. See, he understood who he was in this moment of living, like literally being sold into slavery, gaining favor with um, with Potiphar, then being imprisoned, and now he has to gain favor with the jailer and the, the prison guards, and he gains favor with them, even in a low place. See, I believe that when we understand who we are, we walk in confidence no matter what happens, and we choose not to waver in who we really are. There was a, there was a, a, a testing for Joseph to understand his true nature and his true identity. And because he believed who God said he was, he was able to respond in ways and situations that I don't know if I was in that situation, I could. God was able, I mean, Joseph was able to respond to the God-given ability on the inside of him, even in the hardest places. The third thing I see is that um, God's nature is solidified in who and in our understanding of who he is. See, God is faithful even when we're not. God is steady even when we waver. With every high point and every low point, knowing that the nature of the Father is with us. Um, I want to go to Hebrews. I pulled it up. Hebrews 11. And this is like, um, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. It's like, by faith, so-and-so did such-and-such, okay? So what faith is and what it means. And I want to read verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, capital H, and that he is, capital H, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, we understand the nature of who God is. And when we understand the nature of who God is, we understand that in his nature, he is a rewarder if we diligently seek him. Amen. We first have to understand who he is and not allow ourselves to waver in the belief of that God says, this is who I am and I change not. I'm for you and I'm not against you. There are so many promises in scripture and sometimes I think we just forget the promises. We forget where, what he said he's gonna do. He said, if I started something in you, I will finish it. If I, if I put it in you, I'm gonna finish it. And we, in our situations, waver because we don't understand who we are and who he is. And if we just believe him for his word, if we just believe him for who he is, he says, believe, have faith that I am. And when you have faith that I am, you have faith that I'm a rewarder. Amen. And it's, this, it's like these building blocks. It's like we're, we're building this, 
belief system in our heart and in our mind. You know, so many times our belief systems are built on um, the things of this world. And even the, the Bible talks about like the corrupt things. And not that they're like corrupt, like they're awful, but corrupt things because they don't last, right? They're not, they're not, um, they're not made of the st like stone. They're, they crumble. They're temporary. And sometimes we build our building blocks of our faith on our experiences. You know, I, um, just like as a testimony, I, I grew up in, um, I have a single mom. She raised us. She's amazing. I love her. She is a fighter. Um, it is not an easy thing to be a single mom in this generation. And, and she was raising us, and it was not easy, but she did an amazing job, me and my two sisters. And um, because my mom's a single mom, she chose to be home as much as possible. So, you know, we lived in um, very, very poor. We lived in, you know, pretty much poverty. Food stamps, welfare, Section 8 housing, all the things. I don't, um, I don't ever regret my childhood as a grown-up. Now, living in it as a child, I was not happy. But now I look back and I'm thankful for the grace of God and that I got to experience the things I did. Yeah. Well, then I get married and, um, and uh, at this point in my life, a few years into marriage, my husband is making a lot of money and it was awesome. And I now was in this whole other side of like one pendulum, here's the other. And I remember like believing in the faithfulness of God in this moment of extreme blessing and forgetting that his faithfulness was just as constant in this other set area of my life. And I remember thinking, it's easy to talk about trusting the Lord when you have a check that backs up your trust. It's easy. That's an easy way to trust the Lord. What's not easy is when there's no check. Well, you could write it, but you might go to jail. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing backing up the trust. It's like this faithfulness. Now, I don't believe that God ever wants us or has an intention for us to live in a place of poverty where we lack. Because he, the promises of God is that we would lack nothing. And I believe that the, the church is, is awakening to this belief that... Um, you work hard, you believe God, you give him the first, and he blesses you. Amen? Yeah. But there is, this, there is this belief system, and we build blocks of faith on temporary things. We build our blocks of faith on circumstances. Instead of building them on the nature of who God is and his faithfulness that we have seen time and time again, now, I look back at this season of my life when I was with my mom, and I think, God, you were faithful. I think about all the things that God provided in his faithfulness. Seasons in our lives as, um, as a married couple, my husband and I, when the market crashed in Las Vegas, and we lost almost everything. And I remember thinking, God, like, I remember being upset at my husband, like, it's his fault. It's your fault the whole entire market crashed. I don't know what they're doing in Wall Street, but figure it out. No. Sometimes we take out our frustrations on the ones we love the most, right? But I remember like 
expressing to my husband that my frustration, this is, was not a prayer. This was not a prayer. I wasn't praying. I was complaining, okay? I mean, no, God hears both. He's faithful. I was complaining to my husband, frustrated. I, I would call it frustrated communication, okay? I'm going to just accept that my frustration and my communication, it was just frustrated communication. I wasn't complaining. I was frustrated, frustrating, communicating, whatever. Anyways, to my husband about my son who had no clothes, and I was like, I just need clothes for Josiah. Like, he's growing out of everything. At the time, he was... He was, like, doubling his size, like, every four months. Like, I, he, was, he was just getting, he's a big boy. And I was just frustrated, and I didn't pray. I just complained. And the next day, two different people, two different friends of ours, were like, hey, I have a bag full of hand-me-downs in great condition. Can I bring them to you? Name brand, top of the line, the best of the best. Now, would I have preferred to go buy my son my brand new? Yes, but the Lord provided. His faithfulness was there. And so when I choose to build my building blocks of faith, I'm not going to build them on places that crumble. I choose not to build them on circumstances that are right now that I haven't seen his faithfulness. I choose to build my blocks of faith, of my identity, the way I see God. I choose to build his nature on how I've seen them, not the temporary, but the lasting. Not the momentary things, but the things that have lasted over time. Where I've seen, God, I've seen your faithfulness in this situation. I trust you in this situation. That even when I was just complaining, you heard me. I didn't even pray. Like I should have prayed. But he heard my complaining and answered anyway. See, the nature of who God is, we base it on our like, we base his nature on how we act. I'm so glad that's not how he does it. We think that God's going to respond to us with faithfulness when we're faithful. It's the opposite. You know, he says, I know you're not going to be faithful, so I'm going to be faithful for you. We think that God responds to, um, to us. We, we think his love responds to us because of how much we love him. He says, no. You can only love me because I first loved you. We think that his kindness is going to be a response to our kindness towards him. And he's like, no, you can't be kind without me being kind to you, showing you first. See, we... We want to we make God in our image, and he's like, no, let me show you who I am so you can see who you really are. He makes us in his image. We like to reverse it, and we do this with relationships in our lives, too. We, we do this with the people that we love the most. We say, well, I'm going to love you as much as I feel loved by you. I'm going to respect you as much as I feel respected by you. I'm going to honor you as much as I feel honored by you. I'm going to forgive you, what we heard last week from Bonnie, as much as I feel forgiven by you. I don't know about you, but have you ever held unforgiveness because you feel like they don't deserve it because they never asked for it? 
aren't you glad that the Lord doesn't treat us the way we treat people? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so thankful. See, we build the blocks of how we see God, the identity of God, not on our temporary circumstances, but on his faithfulness and who he is. I love this in verse 21 of Hebrews 11, and I just took a really long time on that, but that's okay. It says, by faith, Joseph. I'm sorry, that's verse 22. By faith, Joseph. And it talks about what he did, but what that means, and it says, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. You know what he was talking about? that on his deathbed, that he had faith in the promises of God for the land that God had promised his people. See, the promise that God had gave Joseph way, way, way early on, that he would take care of his people, even through famine, even through all these things. At the end, on his deathbed, the faith that he had was the word that God spoke to him at 16 years old. That even if he didn't see it in his lifetime, he knew that the people of God would enter into the land of promise. And it didn't happen for generations and generations and generations. It didn't happen until Joseph and Caleb. I mean, Joshua and Caleb. So let us take the dreams that God has given us and embrace the process and journey that we walk through so that we can enter into the destination he has for us. I want to read Psalm 51 in the Passion Translation. It says, Lord God, unlock my heart, unlock my lips, and I will overcome with my joyous praise. For the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer you. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. You will not despise my tenderness. And I, as I bow humbly at your feet, because you favor Zion, do what is good for her. Be the protecting wall around Jerusalem. And when we are fully restored, you will rejoice and take delight in every offering of our lives as we bring our sacrifices of righteousness before you in love. See, the destination, our dream, where we want to go, isn't necessarily God's goal. I think who we become on the journey is God's main focus. I think what he's building inside of us, what he's doing in us as a people. See, as a, as a church community, we've been talking since Pastor Zach and I moved here about finishing a work. It's not our dream. That's God's dream. But he gave us a piece of his dream to see fulfilled. And we've been talking about moving into this building, and I'm excited about moving into this building. But I want to be who he wants me to be in this journey. I want to allow him to do the things that he needs to do in my heart so that I'm ready when we get there. If we want to go from the dream straight to the destination without the journey, we're not going to be prepared for it. There was such humility in Joseph when his brothers finally came to him. There was such humility in his heart. See, if the Lord makes a table for us in the presence of our enemy, are we ready? 
Last week when Bonnie was preaching about forgiveness, I felt the Lord say, if I prepared a table in the presence of the people that you think are enemies, what would you do? Be like, told you. See? Told you so. Like, that's usually my initial response. Um, because my husband says, you can take the girl out the hood, but you can't take the hood out the girl. So um, there is a little bit of that still left. Like, don't do me wrong or my kids wrong because you're going to burn a bridge that you do not want to. There's a little bit of that there. The Lord is working on me too. But I did hear him last week talk to me very, very, very carefully in my heart and say, if I prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies, are you ready? And then I read Joseph's response. As his brothers came to him, the Bible says he looked for a place that he could go and weep. His heart was tender to receive his brothers. And then the Bible says that they were in awe because he gave them everything they need and their gold back. Are we prepared to approach the people and the things in our life that we feel like have robbed us from our dream? Are we prepared to approach them and give them our best and give them what they gave us in return? Like the blessing, the favor. Are we ready? Because I believe that as the people of God, as the church, as, as this community of people step into what God has for us, there has to be a humility in our heart to say, I would be able to sit at the table with my enemies in humility and love and in grace and not want anything back from them, even if it's an apology, even if it's it like getting even, even if it's, I was robbed, even if it's, but you don't know what they did. It doesn't matter at the table that he's preparing for us. See, I believe that the journey prepares us for the destination. You can go. <laughs> the journey prepares us for the destination. You know that it was over 20 years before Joseph actually saw the dream fulfilled that he originally told his brothers. I would like the, the dreams that the Lord put in me to be fulfilled yesterday. But the same way that I was so quick to move through the stages of my children's lives because of exhaustion or because of time or because of just life, Sometimes I wish I could go back and just be in the moment. I feel like right now is a be in the moment moment for us. Yeah, I want all the things that he has. But if I don't want just him right now more, I'm not ready. Is the dream that he's put inside of you? Is there a relationship you want restored? Is there a future that you are waiting for? Is there 
some restoration of some things that you feel was robbed from you? What are the things that you want in your life? What are the things that you know? God, you're like, I know God put this here. I know that this is from him. I know that it's his promise. But why isn't it happening? Then I want you to pause and think, do I want the promise more than I just want his presence right now? Because if I want the promise more, I might not be ready. I might not be ready. Something I hear my husband say a lot, he says, character will keep you where your ability can take you. Sometimes we're so quick. Thank you. Thanks. Sometimes we're so quick to allow our talents and our abilities and our 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 pursuit and even me personally I am a um, a very performance driven person I want to excel and I want to be like I just I have this like personality trait where it's just like I need to be successful and I need to be this and I need to be that and if I let that go before my character it will crush me see Sometimes our ability takes us places, but only our character keeps us there. But our character is developed as we're going on this journey with the Lord. So I don't want to skip any parts. I don't want to skip any parts of this process. I don't want to skip the hard parts to go from mountaintop to mountaintop, right? Because that would be awesome. I would love that. Just to skip from the mountaintop to the mountaintop and never have to go through the valley. But you know, the valley, the place of the crushing, that's where the fruit grows. The valley is the place where we allow ourselves to be just pressed but not crushed, persecuted not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. It's the place where we can see the faithfulness of God in our lives. We see the faithfulness of God in our lives. And I believe it's the journey that determines the stamina that we have in our destination. Let us, Lord, understand, like Psalm 51 says, that you don't despise my tenderness, that the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer you, but the fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. Of me taking myself, picking up all the pieces and coming to you and saying, this is yours. Make it whatever you want. Make it whatever you want. Can we pray together? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Father. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 in the message. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, but on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration he's prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we, are, we see now are today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. Father, I thank you for your promises. That the beauty that you are creating in us and through us and not just individually but as a community and as a people of God that says we long for your presence more than we want any sort of platform or or beautiful positions or even a building we want your presence more than all of it Jesus and we will not sacrifice our character we will not sacrifice who you're making we will not sacrifice any of those things on the stage of performance or ex excellence or even where we want to be we won't sacrifice our character for that we want to stay in this place of just humility humility of heart humility of mind humility in our soul in our spirit God because we want what you're doing in us more than we want where we're headed I know God has beautiful things for us and I believe it and I testify about it and I will hold on to it. But I'm not gonna miss the moment of who I'm becoming on my way there. You ever meet someone? I know we're praying, sorry, but I just had a thought. You ever meet someone and you're like, man, they changed. What happened? Success didn't look good on them. You ever meet somebody like that? I never want to be like that. It should always be our heart to say, keep me humble. Keep me under the, the weight of your presence and glory so that I'm more aware of your presence than I am of wherever I am in a moment. You ever meet somebody and they're the same person, whether there's two people in the room or 200,000? I don't be like those people spiritual father Larry Titus I will never forget this we had just met him and we went to this pastor's convention it was a four squares pastor's conference and I I don't know how many people were there honey like 5,000 people in the room and we go up and it was the most anointed moment of the entire conference it's really really hard for anointed moments in pastor's conferences I did I just say that out loud hear me for just one second I'm going to dismiss you in one second most anointed point in this whole entire conference and my husband and I are at the altar just weeping he talked about circumcision of the heart beautiful every pastor needs to hear it circumcise the things that you don't need God wants to do it and after he just preached to five six thousand pastors he sees us he comes up to us hey I'm going to take you guys to lunch while you're here. 
So we go and sit down and lunch with them. And I'm just in awe, like, why? Why does he want to sit with us? Of all the people. Because there was a humility in his heart that said, I will be the same with these two that I am with 6,000. Make us ready, Lord, for what you have for us. Make us ready. Keep us humble. Keep my heart tender and pure. I pray that every situation that anybody in this room has experienced that has made us jaded or hard would melt like wax in your presence, Lord. Prepare us for what you have for us. Make us ready. We love your presence. We love your presence. In Jesus' name. Can you just say amen with me? Thank you.